Welcome to Mom Chats with Karen and Susie. We are two moms who enjoy heart-to-heart conversations about life. We chat about everything from parenting to education to our dreams and even to our soul journey. Join us as we explore these topics and more on Mom Mom Chats. Welcome back to Mom Chats. This is Susie. And I'm Karen. It's been a while since we've recorded a session. Uh, We've been on a little bit of a hiatus. But the beauty of Mom Chats is that we always stay connected as moms, even if our direction is in other ways, we always come back together and and such is life because once there's a connection, it always remains. So true. (laughs) So Susie, let's see, there's been a lot happening since we last chatted. And I'm going to kind of use this opportunity to catch up with where life has taken you. So let's start with uh, just asking you some some questions, Susie. Sure. (laughs) Okay. So I know that you've been busy, maybe in a short sentence, share what has happened happen and then I'm gonna go back into the backstory. Okay, sure. So I wrote a book. (laughs) It's been taking up a lot of my time. It's actually been a project that I've been working on in the past two years that I didn't really talk about with anybody. And all of a sudden I just kind of put it out there and said, hey, I wrote this book. (laughs) And it was kind of a surprise to a lot of people, even my parents. They were like, what? When did you write this book? But it's been like over the pandemic is when I started writing it. And um, yeah, I just completed it and put it out there. Okay, that's amazing, Susie. And I think listeners can relate to that, that we all have something inside that we wish to do and we keep it hidden inside. And, and, and then something happens where we start to break free. So let's explore that with you. Tell us about what was going through your mind or your heart, your soul. What led you to have a book? brew up within you? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it actually started out with my business. So in the daycare business, I come across parents all the time. And I'm always dealing with parents and they have a lot of questions a lot of the times. And so my original thought when I was thinking about writing a book was I need to write a book for my parents to kind of help them out with with their children. And I I didn't quite know what the topic was going to be yet. I just knew I needed somehow to help my parents. And so that's how it all started was uh, just me wanting to put down my thoughts in written form um, to help out the parents at my daycare. And I love that, Susie, because, you know, that our uh, podcast is called Mom Chats. <laughs> so <laughs> assuming that there's some moms listening here, that all of this could be so relevant to the readers and, and to the listeners here. And it, even if we're not a mom, we all know a child in our lives. And I'm sure uh, your words of wisdom can help as well, too. Um, can you share with us, Susie, like you had this dream and uh, you wanted to help help serve uh, so many parents out there. Um, What were some of the obstacles or challenges that you had to overcome during your time through this journey of becoming an author? I think one of the biggest problems that I came across was just the time. Time to write, time to dedicate 
Um, and then, you know, organizing your thoughts, putting your thoughts on paper. It's very, um, it's kind of almost therapeutic where you go through a process where you, you have these thoughts in your mind and now you got to get them out of your mind and onto like some sort of paper that, you know, that's, that makes sense. And that was the, the difficulty for me was just getting all the thoughts out of my head and onto a paper in kind of an organized way so that it would make sense. Uh, but just the time to do it was was my biggest struggle in the beginning was how, when was I going to ever do this? I had it in my head that I wanted to do it. And that's why I mentioned a lot of this happened over the pandemic, because when things shut down, I was at home. And I didn't have, you know, I didn't have anything to do. Well, not that I didn't have anything to do, but, you know, a work that takes up a lot large portion of my day was no longer there. So I wanted to fill my time somehow with something productive. And I thought, well, now's the time. I have all this extra time. Now's the time to write this and to get to try it. So what I did is I took a little course, um, like it was a free course on the Internet and uh, just telling you how to write a book. <laughs> and uh, I learned a lot from that little course. It was free. It was great. And then I just started doing it. I started putting my thoughts down on paper and uh, then it just flowed from there. Oh, I love that, Susie, because I can really relate that a lot of times we have something in our heart that is um, calling to us, but then we have these thoughts in our head that's like, oh, well, who am I? How am I going to write? I'm not even an author. Yeah. And and hearing you say, okay, I'm just going to take a course on the internet on how to, how to write. Like, it's these little steps that make such a difference to heed to what our soul is longing for. And not falling um, into the trap of listening to the obstacles that we play out in our own mind. Yeah. So I love that uh, you're able to identify some of those things and uh, take the necessary steps anyways. How did it feel to to do that? Like when you took that course and how did it feel um, to to start the process? It felt good, actually. It felt really good when once I got started. Uh, I was excited. Like every day I would set aside certain time. I remember, um, you know, in the middle of the day, I would be in my uh, bedroom and I had a little table set up in there and it was very quiet. I had the windows open and I was just like in like kind of a, it was like a calm space. Mm -hmm. It was like kind of like my space. Mm -hmm. And I was excited. I was just getting those words you know onto my computer it felt so good it felt like I was doing something that I was supposed to do it felt really good to do it and like you said about me being an author even that just seems surreal to me uh that you know I would be called an author because you know who am I like you said who am I to be an author who am I to write something you know in a book format for other people to read and uh, it was very humbling. It's, it's, I'm still very humbled by it. <laughs> and you know, for the listeners here, if you could see Susie, <laughs> like the way I'm seeing her as she's sitting across from me, she has these crystal blue-green eyes. And <laughs> when she was talking um, just about that, what it was like in at her desk with the window open and feeling the calmness like her eyes actually kind of sparkled and I, I felt her energy just get into a, um, a more peaceful place because she's really 
uh, adhering to something that is of meaning to her. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to share with uh, the listeners here, this is what I'm observing and feeling <laughs> as I'm sitting right across from her right now. She has a big smile on her face. <laughs> so then as your uh, writing, how long did it take you? And how, how did you incorporate it? Like, did you have a certain uh, time frame or organized way? Or how, how did you approach that whole process of writing? You know, I started out thinking, okay, this was, uh, I think, back in April of 2020. I thought, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to finish it by the end of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> So I had a lot of wishful thinking. But, you know, I was only off work for three months because we went back in June. So, you know, things kind of got busy again. So I was slowly working on it, but I was still committed that I had to get it done. But I had a little period of time where I stopped writing for a little bit. I was writing like, you know, a lot of stuff all at once. And then I stopped for a little bit. And then I went back to it. So the whole process took about two years from start to finish, like from the beginning of writing it to actually getting it published. But there was a lot of downtime in there where I was not doing anything really. (laughs) I was just, uh, you know, it wasn't my first priority, in other words. But eventually I got it done. So I sent it to an editor who edited it for me, you know, helped me make all the wording really nice. And then to a publisher and now it's in print. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And how did you even... Uh, know that process of publication and editing and all that because this is so new to you right like this is your first time doing something that's completely out of your comfort zone um how did you how did you know to do that in what was your process so i just talked to a lot of people i had spoken to other people who had written books um i had spoken to a publishing company just to find out what what is the process? What do you do? And yeah, I was just researching and I figured it out along the way, but it's really not that complicated. Actually, (laughs) you just give it, you know, you you write it all up, you put it in word and you give it to somebody and that person, that somebody just kind of, you know, looks at it and, and adjusts it and then gives it back to you. And there's a little bit of a back and forth. Um, but generally, uh, then you give it to somebody else and they, you know, put it on Amazon and all that other stuff. So it's just finding the right people to work with. That, that was the, uh, the thing that I had to figure out. Okay. Okay. And I think that's so true that when we are all on a journey and especially it's a journey of unfamiliarity, one of the big things that I'm hearing from you is you can ask for help, mm-hmm. right? And, and invite help to come in for other people to come along your journey and help you get there. Uh, so I, that's what I'm receiving from what you just said. Okay, so, okay, now we're at the publishing, editing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, like this hardcover book arrives in your hands. What was that moment like for you? Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Actually, my publisher printed the first copy. And he sent me a photo of it. And he said, look what I got in the mail. And I was like, what? <laughs> I thought I was supposed to get the first copy. But uh, yeah, when I saw it, I was like, wow, it has my name on it. It was really cool. Um, it was just a surreal moment. Like, it's still surreal to me that I have this book out there with my name on it. And people are reading the words that I wrote. And uh, it's nice. It's a nice feeling. Amazing. I, <laughs> I can. I almost felt my heartbeat going up a bit because... 
it can feel scary to put ourselves out there too, right? Even we have a dream, but to follow that dream, sometimes it's overcoming, you know, our own little like hesitations and, and fears. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm out there now. Yeah, there's there's actually, no taking it back. <laughs> yeah, I want to expand on that actually, because okay. there was a moment in time when it was ready to go where I was scared. And I was thinking, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to put this out there? And there was this little fear voice in my head thinking, oh, what if people don't like it? Or what if it gets bad reviews? Or what if, you know, I, can I handle all the criticism that might come my way? Because I put my words out there for people that could potentially criticize. And uh, it was just a small moment of time, but it was still there where I was like doubting myself. And then I thought, you know what? No. <laughs> And I think what you speak of is so true for many people, and that is that fear of judgment, right? The fear of being criticized or someone not liking it because we have a dream, but is it somebody else's? Uh, how are people going to receive my dream too? And, and so I think you're speaking of something that's very universal to all of us. How did you move past that fear? Uh, well, faith. <laughs> You know, we always come back yes, to this, right? <laughs> because you know what? It does pervade your whole life. Like your faith is is important. It's important to me. And so faith trumps everything. Mm. So, you know, when I get too caught up in myself, mm. I start to think, okay, there's a higher power. God is there for me and wouldn't let anything bad happen to me. That's kind of how I, how I talk myself into doing things. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's so, so true, right? We think that we're the only ones doing this project and it's just us, but we forget that there's a co-creative process that's going on here. So expand on us that even more. Bring God into uh, the project and... Um, what more do you want to expand on that? Because I know you, Susie, you have a lot to say about that part. So let's let's give a little bit of uh, this next question on how God became part of your process and, and, and if God was human and if we humanize it, what would you like to say to God? Such a difficult question um, to put into words because I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my soul. But... Basically, I just know that, you know, I guess when you have faith, you know that God is there and God loves you. And uh, whatever you do, you're doing it, hopefully, to fulfill a bigger purpose or to fulfill basically God's will. And so I, I really start to think about things as this is my life to live, but I'm kind of more a vessel you know, being used to do certain things and to accomplish certain things on earth. So that's kind of how I look at writing this book as well, is that um, this was meant to be for some purpose. I maybe don't know the purpose yet, but I'm just going along and enjoying the, the ride, enjoying the journey, as you always say, right? I'm just enjoying it. I'm trying not to think too much about, like, just overanalyze it kind of thing. I love that, Susie. It's so, so true. Like I'm feeling it in my heart as well, too, that you've been called and, and touched upon a higher power and the grace, and you're willing to say yes, um, despite all odds, despite whatever hesitations or what's going on within 
we're willing to to serve and to help others because it comes from the heart. And I think that's what really makes this project really, really special. Uh, special for you, special for another reader, whether it's a mother or a parent or any other person, that they're receiving these words that are coming through you from that most pure place. And I think that's what makes this really special project. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to share that. That's how I feel about it. That is so sweet for you to say that. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to open the book. Pretend we're opening the book. <laughs> and, and so what words jump out as you open the pages? How, what, what's, give us a little bit of context of what is in there. Sure. The very beginning, the first thing I tackle in the book is why even read this book? <laughs> like why do this why why look at this book the book is called learn to play by the way um and it's for parents and educators so it's educators and parents because as you'll it, it, for those reading the book you'll see that i make no distinction between parents and educator they're both educators of children but basically the first thing i tackle like i said is why why even do this like everybody's busy you know we're just basically surviving a lot of the times. You know, we have so many things going on in life. And so why take this extra effort to read this book about how to educate your child or how to learn to play with your child? And so the reason is because kids are worth it, because your kids need you, and because it's proven that parents who are involved with their children, especially in their education, the children fare better overall in life. Um, in many ways, not just academically, but socially, mentally, their mental health is better. So that's why it's important to read this book. That's why it's important to be that best educator you can be for your child. So that's the first thing I tackle in the book. <laughs> <laughs> and that really jumps out at us because, you know, as parents, um, we, we didn't, uh, we didn't, come into this role of being a parent with any uh, manual or manuscript of how to be a good parent and we're just sometimes flying off the seat of our pants and bringing to the next generation what has been brought to us and um, we've talked about this probably in previous mom, mom chats the intergenerational uh, impacts that how we were parented and how do we choose to parent going forward so to have something like this to uh, add to our awareness, I think is so important and so special because it influences and, and uh, impacts that next generation. So it's like touching upon humanity from that next generational space as well. Mm -hmm. All right, so you've shared your why. What else can you tell us that's inside the book without disclosing it all? <laughs> I can say a lot about what's in the book. Yeah, okay, you can. So, yeah. <laughs> um, well, the first thing, so once you've determined that, you know, it's important to read this book and important to be an educator for your child, um, the first thing I do is, well, how do you do that? So what is this? What do you do? Like, do you just go out and buy a bunch of workbooks from the store and start doing preschool workbooks? And really, this book is dedicated to children under six years old. So we're talking from infancy to preschool and kindergarten. So, no, my my 
Absolute answer is no, you don't go buy books because that's not what children need at this age. They're not developmentally ready for that. What you actually want to do is play with them. But how do you play? You might think, oh, you know, playing is um, just a recreational thing that you do when you have the time. But no, for children, play is their work. Play is their, is how they learn, how they figure out the world, how they problem solve, how they learn to, um, you know, a, a certain skill, how they build confidence. You know, all of those things come through the play environment when they're playing. So that's kind of the next part of the book is where I talk about how do you engage in play with your kids. So I have like five steps that you go through, five kind of principles to follow when you're engaging with kids. That's the framework for the rest of the book is first you need to know how do you play with your kids. And then once you know that, the rest of the book is just all about um, the specifics. So like, okay, we're going to, you know, learn about language and literacy, but we're going to do it through play. So how do we do that? How do we teach language and literacy through play? How do we teach science through play and all those things? So we go through all of the different areas that way. Oh, I love that so much. You know, Susie, like my, my kids are uh, young adults now. They're in their 20s. So, But I think back like when my children were six and under and to have a book like what you're describing is so um, like refreshingly new concepts because I, I recall at that stage, um, I remember parents kind of talking more about, you know, uh, the letters that their children knew, whether they knew their letters, whether they knew their, their numbers, uh, whether they could read, whether they could do math. Like, I just recall a lot of emphasis on that. And I don't remember a lot of discussions about play other than parents would put them into some play thing so that they could have their own parent time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Play and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing Parents wrong with need that. Their time. It, but, it's yeah. true, but but what you're describing is how to play, how to educate through play, mm -hmm. right? And and seeing play not just as as something that's less than, but it's equal to, um, and to raising the value of play and fun. Um, because it's true, like children are in that part of their lives at such a short period of time. So it's so important to, to play with them and to sustain that childlike playfulness as long as we can. Yes. Yeah. And parents need to learn how to play because we kind of unlearn it as we yeah. grow older, right? We unlearn how to play and we think a lot of mistakes that parents or even educators make, and I see it all the time is we feel the need to be a teacher. And I put that in quotations, that the teacher is directing things and kind of telling children what to do and how to do it. And I approach it from a different angle where we're co-learning with children. We're not directing, actually. We're letting the children lead the way and we're following along. And that is really what we need to learn in this, in this book. I go into more detail about it, but that's how we need to learn how to play with kids is by learning how to follow, how to be a play partner instead of, I'm going to show you how to do this. Now I want you to repeat it. Mm -hmm. That's not how we're going to play. We're going to play where you're going to have ideas and I'm going to support your ideas and maybe even extend them. 
because I definitely have more knowledge than the child, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, they might have an idea, but they might not know about something. So I'm going to try to extend their idea so that they can learn something new. And that's the whole premise Mm -hmm. around learning, Mm -hmm. learning to play. I love that. I think what jumped out at me is the co part of it. Like the co-relationship of play it's just like co-creating with God. Now you're co-creating with God's child, right? Co-creating with a child uh, and seeing it through their eyes as well, too. Like children can teach us as much as um, we can share with them. They share with us, too. And, mm-hmm. and, to, and I think what you said about um, learning how to play as adults again, because we've lost how to, uh, I think that's really really special to reach into that inner child of each and every one of us because it's there it's it's there it's just that we've gotten so busy with other expectations that we forget how to play one of my favorite quotes that i have in the book it says wait let me get this right okay (laughs) we don't stop playing because we grow old we grow old because we stop playing. Mm. And I really think that that hits the nail on the head of what you just said, that mm. we, we as adults, we forget how to play or our play becomes so structured um, and we tend to want that for our kids too, where we try to structure their play around everything. You know, they, we schedule them like crazy into all these different play things like sports and music and mm. art and all those things, but it's in a structured way. Whereas um, play really, the concept of play, it has to be free. It can't mm-hmm. be structured. Play has to be a free choice activity that I want to do for it to be successful. Mm-hmm. If I'm forced to do something, mm-hmm. I'm no longer learning. Oh my gosh, like you really hit upon something <laughs> there. <laughs> you can relate to something I've said. I can oh, tell. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I, I think, you know, as time has gone by, I think it's even more structured. Maybe it's a little different after COVID, but before, like, there was so much organized activities because we're afraid for our children to be bored or to fall behind mm-hmm. um, some other child because it's about, like, I found during raising children, there was this um pressure to keep your children up to you know to keep them up to with the joneses what everybody else is is doing so we're just kind of looking at each other and and comparing at a subconscious or an unconscious level and uh, we don't realize you know that um it might not be the most um effective way it's never with bad intention but it's just we're not we're not aware right and i think um what you said there that that play is really about our own choosing and when we direct it or we we um, make it happen for the child then it's no longer their choosing and i think for for children to really feel the freedom of choice is so liberating Mm-hmm. And, and and so um, impactful for them as a child that their their minds are still growing. I go back to an, um, a scenario when I was growing up, and uh, I was in piano lessons. And I remember that I love music, and nowadays I love piano. But when I was going through it and learning the lessons, I hated it. Mm. I never wanted to practice. <laughs> I never wanted to you know put in the effort. 
And I just was going through the motions because my parents wanted me to do it. And now I think back and think, if I had done it for choice because I wanted to do it, I would have had a different attitude about it, and maybe I'd be a better piano player today. Mm -hmm. But because I was doing it out of obligation, Mm -hmm. it diminished my experience. But nowadays, Mm -hmm. like now when I think back, I think, wow, I'd love to be able to play really well, but I can't. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because of, you know, how I learned it. And that's why I'm really... You know, this doesn't just, this is not just for children. Mm-hmm. Even adults mm-hmm. think this way. If you're not enjoying something, mm-hmm. if you're not doing out of pure enjoyment, which has to involve free choice, mm-hmm. then you're not really engaged. You're not really in it. And so the same for children. They need to be engaged. And to be engaged, they have to choose it. Mm-hmm. And they have to like it. And they have to want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what free choice play is all about. Um, but on the other flip side of that, I don't want to say that there aren't things that we can plan for children because definitely we do plan activities and things for children to do. I do make a distinction in the book between something I call free play and intentional play. Free play is where the child chooses it and we follow along and it's their idea and we're just going with it. Intentional play is where we observe them. We look at what they're interested in and then we plan an activity based around their interest. So maybe I want to teach, you know, a particular science concept and I know that they're really interested in um, like cause and effect relationships. Like, you know, especially for an infant, maybe they like a peekaboo game or something like that where it's, uh, you know, they see something and then they don't see it, what happened to it, right? Um, You can do different kinds of science activities around that concept, um, but still with their interest in mind. So... You can still plan things, but you want to plan it in a way where it's what you think that they would want to do. So you have always their interests in mind, and the only way to do that is by observing them. you got to be a really good observer to really get to the root of what do they like and what interests them and what's going to keep them engaged. Mm-hmm. And that's how you plan the intentional play side. Mm-hmm. But both of them are still child-focused and child-led. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you said, like, really have to pay attention and observe them, uh, that really hits home with me because I think what you're doing in that moment is you're learning how to build a beautiful relationship between uh, you and your child that isn't based um, out of fear that they're going to fall behind, but out of love that you want them to, um, to feel the joy and, and feel the, the fulfillment of the moment. And I think those are long lasting, um, effects that play way beyond age six, yeah. right? You're just Absolutely. in this foundational period of building and fostering a beautiful relationship that is sustaining for the rest of one's life with your child. So I think, you know, what you're doing to help, uh, parents build that relationship at six and under is is crucial. I've always yeah. told you that, Susie. It's like <laughs> you're doing foundational work. Yeah. <laughs> Karen, you really hit it there, is that what you're doing through play is building a relationship with your child um, because you're getting to know them better mm-hmm. by observing them. Um, and they're getting to know you better because of your interactions through your play episodes. So your play experiences that you have with them, they're getting to know you and you're getting to know them on a very deep level. 
And that's going to only build your relationship and build your uh, level of trust, right? Both ways, everything, everything builds around that experience. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to be, I, I'm going to twist it, this exploration in another lens, okay? Like, um, I think everything that you're saying is going to be so amazing for new parents, like parents of that age group. And then I can also see like, what if parents uh, have the sense of guilt? So it's like, oh my gosh, I did everything like not the way it's supposed to. Like we self-judge ourselves, right? Oh, that's why we're having such trouble with our teenage child or whatever. So what do you want to say to parents that um, maybe found these wisdoms later on in, in life? There's always grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that out there. <laughs> I was actually thinking of that too. It's like, well, there's always grandchildren, great grandchildren. No, but on a serious note, um, that is true though. Like, even grandparents could read this book yes. because grandparents, believe it or not, spend a lot of time with their grandchildren and want to for the right reasons a lot of the times. And so, uh, not because they have to, because they have to rear them, but because they just want to spend time with them. So reading this book and interacting with their grandkids, you know, they're going to build skills that they need to interact with them. Because maybe they come also from a time when things were different, when you actually interacted differently with children. And so now, like relearning how to play with kids, it's great for grandparents too. Um, but I would say... Um, for those, you know, you think you missed the boat or whatever. Um, I think it's never too late. You can always rebuild relationships. So there's no need for guilt. There's no need for berating yourself. You do, you know, you did your best with what you had at the time, with information you had. Now you have different information. Maybe you can change going forward. But I, I don't see any need ever in, in guilt. I, I don't, I don't believe in guilt. Like the past is the past. Uh, move on from here with what you know now. Hmm. That is so true because life is like a escalator. It keeps moving along, right? It just, we just keep moving along and, and be open to learn and be curious to receive new perspectives, new ideas, lessen our own judgment about things, hear what other strategies and, and tools that Sounds like it's so um, beautifully put together in this book. Uh, I know I want to read it now. <laughs> I haven't got my copy yet. <laughs> but I want to read it now because I hope that one day I'll be a grandmother too. <laughs> uh, I was blessed though. I was raised by my grandmother. And, and I did raise my children with a lot of play, even though I didn't know that it was a good thing. Um, I I personally did not go to... Uh, put them into a lot of structure or, or, uh, workbooks or anything. I just played with them because I was like a little kid myself. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that, you know, the words I'm going to be reading in the book kind of affirms what I had done. But I, I think, I think of all the parents that, uh, I'd love for this book to be gifted to. So how, share with us, how, how do we get a copy of this book? Well, I will put a link in this podcast on how to get the book. Um, but basically, you can go to a website, um, which is for the book called uh, fourpillarsoflearning.com. So you go there and that'll take you to the Amazon page where uh, you can buy the book. It is available worldwide. So uh, in Canada, it's available on the amazon.ca page. 
worldwide. It's available on Amazon.com. Um, you just search up Learn to Play and my name, Susie Begin, and you'll find it. <laughs> it's uh, it's there, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> you are out there now, Susie. You heeded the call and uh, you executed in, and now you're passing on, right, the wand of parenting. Any other words you want to share that's you want to say to the listeners? Sure. So I think you touched on it a little bit earlier, but I really want to emphasize this. I think everybody has an inner child inside them, and you really have to tap into it when you are interacting with your kids. You need to let that inner child that might be hidden, just let it come out. And that is going to be the best thing you can do Like you said, Karen, you didn't know all these strategies. You didn't go to get an ECE diploma. You don't, you didn't know about child development, but you just followed your heart and you followed that inner child and that led you to the right place. So even if you don't read my book, what I would say is tap into that inner child. Let that lead you because that's going to be the best strategy for interacting and, and uh, educating your children. And I would add to that, like, play <laughs> it's have just, fun. Just, just have fun <laughs> yeah. life is too short to um not have enough play time so i can't think of any adverse effects of playing more i think all of us could benefit from playing more and having fun while we're learning right. whether we are you know one years old six years old 60 years old right i think this is um, relevant to every human being that our time on earth is is finite and we can still learn through a fun, engaged, relationship-building, fun, playful way. Thanks for tuning into Mom Chats. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date with our latest episodes. This podcast has been sponsored by Alpha's Discovery Kids, inspiring our future leaders through curiosity, inquiry, and discovery. And Karen Suakwan Coaching, enfolding your soul's gift to give. Thanks for listening.